Hawaii fantasy readers. This is Corinne Norton, your fellow book binger, and you are listening to the Finding Fantasy Reads podcast, where you can test out a new fantasy story every single week to find your next favorite author. This week, I have a new Fae story for you, with a young man determined to protect his village, even though the people there have never accepted him. It's written by Sarah Chislon, who lives in Virginia with her husband and three daughters. I've decided she's also a wizard because somehow she homeschools her kids and helps run the family's web development business, and somehow she still writes. There has to be some magic going on in that home. Today's narrator is Peter Franson, host of Christian Geek Central. Stick around to the end or check out today's show notes to see where you can find more from both the author and the narrator, as well as how to enter our giveaway. For now, please enjoy Jewel of Blood by Sarah Chislon. I stumped through Milburn, determined to ignore the murmurs of passers-by. T'was harder to drown out the giggles of the Mrs. Clarkson and Smith as they strolled through the central square. I didn't need to hear their overloud whispers to know they'd branded me with the words the townsfolk had always hurled against my da. Drunkard. Shatterwit. Mayhap my da deserved it. Certainly he'd burned his brain with frost wine. I'd never so much as touched the stuff— but because I'd declared before all and sundry that other kind were causing the unnatural discoloration of our river, they considered me addled. Not that it mattered what the young misses thought. It wasn't their favor I craved. I didn't hold with showy beauties. No, I'd another lass in mind. Not that I had flowery words, even for her. Action and integrity, that's what mattered. And proof that I was right. I rolled beeswax in my fingers as I walked along. When it softened, I crammed it in my ears. It drowned out the last of their titters. More importantly, it would preserve me from sprite song and other such dangers. Might be foolhardy to make for a crossing, but it was worth the risk to confirm my theory. To prove Lord Ackerley wrong. He was the one who'd started tongues wagging afresh about me yestermorn, when he and the rest of the fools in charge of Milburn had refused to take action. Ignorant, my gran always said of the Ackerley family, back when she still lived. They were so accustomed to lording it over the common folk of Milburn that they began to imagine they could master other kind as well. They were the sort to expect a wyvern to ask permission before it devoured them— and then subside meekly at one haughty look. We couldn't afford such ignorance, not in an edge town, not so near a crossing. I crunched through the bracken at the edge of the river. People. Irksome one and all. Well, almost all. An image of bright brown eyes filled my mind, a genuine smile, a smattering of freckles. (sighs) I'd no need of distraction. I'd better mind my steps. If I didn't take care, I might stumble blindly into trouble. Then who would investigate? Lord Ackerley and the town elders couldn't be bothered to look into the matter. They didn't want the townsfolk nattering on about the need to purchase more wards. They'd rather line their own coffers instead. So they'd scoffed at the notion other folk caused the alteration in the river, 
tossing out newfangled terms like algal bloom and mineral composition, using their education and status to silence the rumble of concern that had swept the town the day the waters changed. We'd known our share of oddities, but we'd seen naught like this before. The streaks of violet in our waters blazed like lightning in the depths. When I'd voiced an objection to their theories in the town meeting, Lord Ackerley had laughed. He'd never once paid heed to the stories I'd collected of fey folk and their ways, not the ones I'd heard at the feet of my gran, nor those I'd collected in the years since. He listened to the vigil and other venerated folk, but us commoners, never. Mayhap, if I ever managed to gain the position of lore-master, he'd unbend himself enough to attend. Not that either was likely. He'd lifted his quizzing glass to survey me. Perhaps you've overindulged, young Herald. I can think of no other explanation for your denial of reason, and we all know blood runs true. Heat sizzled across my skin. I have in my blood that of the wisest woman to ever live in Milburn. Her wards protected many. That was long ago. Rumor and superstition proven false. The foremost scholar of historic alchemy is within my home now, here to study the effectiveness of our wards. He's assured me this is no otherworldly phenomenon. I suggest you drop the matter. Before I could argue, the elders had closed the meeting. Nary another villager had voiced an objection, though they'd all stayed out of the river, a sensible precaution. But how long before fear faded, and some youngling got in his head to take a dip? I feared he'd come up worse for wear. Or not at all. My stave clunked against the stone pavers. No mincing words. We were all fey bait after a fashion. We chose to live in an edge town, as close to Morven Crossing as the vigil allowed. We accepted the casualties our proximity entailed. The livestock that went missing when an unwary farmer let a ward lapse, or the occasional foolhardy soul that vanished after venturing out past dark. Still, it didn't mean we had to make ourselves easy prey, which was why I aimed for the crossing. Leastways, part of why. One part of me yearned for knowledge and the protection it brought. The other part burned with the desire for self-vindication. This taint in our waters came from fey meddling, certain as I stood here. Most likely it sprang from ill intent. We might prefer not to think of the crossing overmuch, yet our river ran past it, upstream no less. I hoped to uncover what had happened, and better yet, undo whatever fey working may have wrought the change. It best be low fey, mind you, else I'd not stand a chance. I'd my grand's iron dagger at my waist, a garland woven of St. John's wort and red verbena about my neck, and a heavy iron-tipped stave in my hand. Still, it was a risk. Quickening my pace, I followed the river out of Milburn and into the surrounding forest. In the distance, the mountains loomed, stalwart as ever. The sight heartened me. Away from the pressure of expectation and opinion and people within town, a man could breathe, could think, could consider the stories which were, and those as might be. T'was far easier than considering my own lack, or the flat denial of the Guild of Loremasters to consider my apprenticeship. 
They'd listened with greedy interest to the store of tales I'd collected, then determined they needed references I couldn't provide in order to accept me into their number. Mayhap they never intended to. Puh, I didn't need them. Yet without, little remained except tinkering the rest of my days with the petered-out farm left by my da, one that needed constant tending to eke out enough to support my ma and sisters in a town that only tolerated them. "'Twas an existence, but not one with any meaning, and it provided too little to think of taking a wife of any sort, let alone a refined soul like Ellery. For all that her kindness shone as bright as her eyes, I couldn't expect her to leave her merchant family and come to nothing. I clenched the stave tighter. No use thinking on all that couldn't be. I braced for a long tramp. Some years ago, the vigil had set what they deemed proper boundaries around the crossing. They declared no settlement should exist within a fifteen-mile radius. Anywhere within that boundary, one must be prepared to encounter other kind. I almost wished to confront them sooner than later, rather than continue to endure my own pestilent thoughts. Yet aside from the jagged streaks of violet in the river, I encountered naught out of the ordinary till near noon. I wasn't even halfway to the crossing, and it was full day, but a near-translucent form splashed in the shallows. A water sylph. At times, his limbs became one with its flow. Others, they reformed to a near-solid state. I thumped the garland round my neck to be sure the protective barrier remained, then took a half-step closer. Something roamed in the waters alongside him. "'Twas an enormous flock of fay-fish, unnatural creatures with grey-black scales, bulbous white eyes, and needle-sharp fangs. Unpleasant they were. Yet they appeared to please the sylph as much as the delicate silver fins stalking the Ackerley Fountain did their owners. The sylph beckoned, and they frolicked about him, no accounting for tastes. But could he, or they, have tainted the waters? Much as I wished to— I couldn't believe it. No particular discoloration surrounded them. Few of our legends concerned themselves with sylphs, low fay relegated to the category of minor nuisances. My gran liked to say sylphs were the most peaceable of the other kind, simply because they didn't have the power to do any great damage. Still, I was sure they'd find a way to torment mortals if they wished. Other kind always did. No sense tempting fate— the sylph wasn't the source of the taint in the river, and I'd best avoid drawing his attention. But I'd already lingered too long. It surged upright in the water, eyes gleaming silver. My hand tightened around the stave as I backed into the brush. Its translucent fingers waved in the air. Then a fayfish surged to the bank and swarmed out of the river. Like blades, its fins dug into the earth, propelling it toward me at an unnatural rate. Thunderation. I stumbled backward over a log, scrambled to my feet. Then the foul creature leapt into the air and latched onto my free hand. I struck it with the stave, and its flesh sizzled. It dropped to the forest floor, writhing. The sylph bared its teeth and gestured again. The water seethed with fayfish surging toward shore. I fled, crashing through the brush till I'd left the riverbank far behind. When I'd outpaced them, I halted, breathing heavy. If they'd caught me, what a fate that would have been, done in by a flock of fayfish. 
hardly the stuff of legends, or the making of a lore-master. I shook my stinging hand, then applied a poultice from the tin in my pack. It should keep any otherworldly poison from setting in. A wary look over my shoulder confirmed I was alone. Just to be sure they didn't still seek me on the waterways, I trudged behind a stretch of black poplar a bit longer before attempting to rejoin the river. When I'd gone unmolested for a time, I cautiously returned to its banks and continued a few miles more, ever watchful. I must be getting close to the crossing by now. I'd no intention of actually approaching it, but its influence was clear. Unfamiliar plants grew scattered below the trees, leaves tinted unusual colors. Even the light itself had a different quality, a sort of richness to the gold that filtered through the thick foliage. I shook off the fancy. Mayhap my knowledge that I drew near the crossing disposed me to see changes where there were none. I used my stave to part a patch of brambles. The river twisted, serpent-like, and when I rounded the curve, I saw it. An accursed cage made of thick blackthorn branches. A vine-woven chain suspended it from a large tree limb, and the whole thing dangled over the river. Something struggled inside. A mortal victim? No, too small. I strained for a better view, the shadows beneath the trees hampering my efforts. T'was a pisky, only half-size. When she lashed out against the bonds of her cage, a blue haze filled the air around her. Then a blackthorn branch untwined from its companions and whipped her arm with stinging force. She cradled it to her chest. Odd that the other folk imprisoned one of their own, but the snare was clearly of fey-make. None other could self-animate so. I took stock of the clearing, noting for the first time crows clustered in the trees. They stirred, stretching black as death wings. I mistrusted the gleam in their beady eyes. T'was too knowing. I gripped my stave tighter. But they took no note of me. One swooped down and snapped at the pisky's wrist through the weave of the cage. Its beak drew blood. Then it threw back its head and gave what must have been a throaty call. I was glad for the beeswax stopping my ears, blocking its caw of triumph, drowning out the cry shaped on the lips of the captive pisky. A bead of dark violet dripped from the gash the crow left. It shimmered mid-air, then dropped into the river below, where it formed a long sapphire trail in the water. I'd found the source of the taint. My pulse roared loud against the beeswax plugs, an irksome sound, but I didn't dare snatch them out. Who knew if sprites or sirens lurked nearby? It wasn't some snare crafted with ill intent that tainted our river, but an outflow of fey cruelty. Now, there was no telling if pisky blood could harm or enchant mortals, but I didn't aim to test it and find out. A gust of wind stirred the tops of the trees, Two more crows, mayhap emboldened by the success of their companion, dove for the pisky. Wasn't a new torment they'd devised, not if the gashes on her arms were any indication. Were she not pisky, the loss of blood would have already killed her. But even other kind had limits. She might reach hers soon, and then our trouble would be over. I shifted my weight, deliberating. No, I couldn't see abandoning the pisky to its fate. Though I'd seen too much of the harm other kind inflicted to wish them well, even the foulest of creatures didn't deserve to be crow-pecked to death. 
but I needed a way to free her without becoming fey-bait myself. Trouble that. Where one fey lurked, others might soon follow. Someone had crafted this cage. Would he return? Were the crows sentries, or had they taken advantage of captive prey? To hesitate would only set me more at a disadvantage, so I marched into the open and raised my iron-tipped stave. Be gone with you! The crows just eyed me with seeming speculation, overbold for birds. Mayhap the nearby crossing had altered them in some form. Now what? Suppose you want to go at me too? I scowled at them. I'll warn you, I don't go down easy. Dozens of them hurtled down from the trees, a storm of black feathers and snapping beaks. I jabbed them with my stave, right and left. One nipped my shoulder, its beak piercing flesh. I swung back, crushed its head. Three more took its place, snagging my shirt, my skin, aiming for my face, for any vital part. The salt sting of sweat burned my eyes. Persistent blighters. I gave as good as I got, or better, but they kept coming. Then the wind stirred again, and the scent of decay filled the air. Mouths open in a screech, the crows lifted their wings, abandoning me. In the space of a heartbeat, they vanished. Suspicious that. Good fortune didn't hold, not when dealing with Fay. I cast a wary eye around. Nothing appeared to explain the stench, nor the sudden departure of the crows. No sense waiting to find out what might have caused it. Not when I could hurry about my business and be gone. I approached the cage. Though it had resisted the Piskey's efforts to escape, the prison remained inert when I touched it. Ha! Mayhap the other kind responsible had outwitted himself, crafting his cage to ward against his own kind, not mortals. I drew my dagger to hack through the branches. A poor tool for the task, but it would do. The Piskey eyed the iron blade and shuddered. I mean you no harm. I set the knife to the trap. I'm going to let you out. Her shoulders slumped as I began to work. One branch severed, then another. Abruptly, she leapt to her feet, pointing behind me. Her skin went from rich blue to pale gray. Should have known better than to think this would be simple. It never was when it came to other kind. I spun around, the leaves on the forest floor stirred, and from them a sinewy creature sprang, one unfamiliar to me. Its limbs were the color of rich earth, its hair of leaves, its fingers tipped with sharp claws. Her true guardian? It hurled dirt and detritus toward me, engulfing me in a blinding cloud. I thrust out with my stave. The wrong way. Clawed fingers circled the back of my neck. I jabbed that direction, and the stave connected hard. It faltered, lost its grip. Ha! Nothing like iron for repelling fay. I fumbled with my dagger, wished it were a sword for better reach, didn't want to feel those knobbly hands about my neck again. The creature was more wary now. Its eyes, dark orbs without pupil or lid, gleamed with enmity. Did it have a weakness in that rough, leathery hide? We circled each other. Then it snarled and hurled a storm of forest litter at me once more. Blast the other folk. My eyes burned. I thrashed around blindly. Where was the thing? It crashed into me, driving me to the ground, and we struggled at the edge of the river. 
Its claws dug into my wrist, and my dagger flew from my hand. It closed its grip about my neck again, its full weight crushing the air from my lungs, its stench choking. My blood roared in my ears, my gorge rose. I couldn't get leverage with my staff, not with the thing so close. I fumbled for my blade among the bracken. Must be near, somewhere. Vaguely, I made out the form of the cage swaying just beyond us. The pisky was prodding at one of her wounds, drawing more blood. She lifted her arm and hurled the violet drops toward the creature. Where they landed on its flesh, it began to smoke. Its jagged-toothed maw opened in a howl. It released its hold to claw at its hide. I jabbed the point of my stave through its eye socket, and it collapsed backward. My dagger glinted dark amid the greenery nearby. I snatched it up and sliced through its neck. A blackish-brown ooze seeped from the gash, then its chest ceased to rise. I'd killed it, and the knowledge twisted in my gut. No time to be sick. Didn't want to wait for some new creature to put in an appearance. What next? I muttered. The pisky said something inaudible. I pointed to the beeswax stopping my ears, and she frowned, gesticulating with her hands. I eyed the dripping blood warily, didn't want to chance it scalding me like it had done the forest creature. "'Does aught else guard the cage?' I asked. She shook her head. "'Twas true, then, that other kind understood our tongue and could communicate as they pleased. "'If you keep back, I'll free you.' She nodded, and I set about dismantling the trap. The branches that had lashed against her with stinging force still remained inert, though they smoked at the touch of the iron dagger. Soon I'd hacked through a big enough opening for the pisky to crawl through. Not neat, but adequate. Leastwise, she made no complaint. Mayhap because she didn't have the strength. She staggered a few steps and collapsed onto the forest floor. A sensible man would leave before more other kind showed up, before the pisky regained her strength and sought to claim me. Everyone knew the pisky-led would find themselves swallowed into the bowels of the other world, never to return. But the story collector in me demanded answers. Why were you in that trap? Was it punishment for some crime against your kind? Her features darkened, a flush of blue spreading across her cheeks. She scratched words in the dirt. No crime. Enemy of pisky do. Think to steal my land. Infighting, then. If they kept at each other, they'd less time to torment mortals. Still, I didn't regret releasing her. I rubbed at my shoulder where the crow had left a nasty gash. Why save? She plucked at one of her injuries, and it closed before my eyes. It took all my effort not to goggle. Your blood was contaminating our river. If it impacted mortals anything like it had the other kind now dead at my feet— I was glad the townsfolk had kept clear of it. Not your river, she rubbed at one of the rents in the fabric of her garment. It began to knit together. Belongs to many. I sucked in a breath. Mending and healing. Pisky affinities had been unknown, aside from their propensity to lead travelers astray. Now I'd discovered two, and such was my fascination that even the pain of my injuries lessened. She eyed the dagger. You try to kill? You don't hurt me. I don't hurt you. She nodded, 
then hobbled to the river bank. When she swirled her fingers in the waters, the droplets of blood rushed back to her, becoming solid in her hand. She shaped the mass till it gleamed like the finest of gems, a teardrop-shaped jewel of blood. Then she polished it on her tunic and handed it to me. It kindled with a light of its own, the colors within changing from violet to sapphire and everything between. Of its own accord, my hand lifted to take it. But could a fey gift be trusted? I halted. What's this? We'll protect you. Some of my life power bound in it, she scratched more words. Pisky settled debts. We not owe anyone, least of all mortals, would shame. Even this little Pisky thought low of mortals, though not low enough to scorn my help. Debts and bargains fueled fey society, and if she harmed me, she'd only incur a greater one. I accepted the jewel, tucking it into the innermost pocket of my tunic, where it warmed against my skin like a living thing. Could come in handy one day. Mayhap I could have it made into a necklace for safekeeping if I used my grand's silver chain. That would have pleased her, were she still here. I brushed some of the bracken from my tunic. I'll be going now. Can you get yourself home? In answer, she disappeared in a cloud of violet. Well then, today'd brought an education and no mistake. The slights of the past few days had almost faded from recall. Despite my stinging wounds, I felt invigorated, more full of purpose than I had in many a month. I poked a finger through one of the rips in my clothes. Too bad I didn't have pisky powers. I tramped back through the brush, abandoning the river in search of an open road. I'd been right all along. With this jewel as evidence, I could carry my tale back to the village, prove Lord Ackerley wrong. Might even be able to garner those references and gain the status of Loremaster. That bright future unfurled before me clear as the road ahead. Provision for my family, purpose for my life. The scorn of the villagers turned to appreciation. They might begin to see us not for my Da's lack, but for what we might offer in our own right. We could step out of his shadow at last. Then, perhaps Ellery... My steps slowed. I'd have to give details and display proof. With my tale and its evidence would come questions. If I reported what I'd seen, I'd get the side-eye from the vigil for certain. They'd tramp in asking all sorts of questions and yammering about warding Fay, declaring twas the act of a fool to venture anywhere near a crossing and all the dangers therein. They'd seize the jewel before I had a chance to study it and learn its function. Mayhap they'd even seek to bring me to the nearest vigil house for a closer examination. Either way, they'd keep watch over me. I trudged down the stone-bordered road. What then? I'd learned something of value today, and if I didn't draw attention from the wrong sorts, I could learn more still. But I couldn't have it both ways. I couldn't reveal my knowledge and retain the liberty to pursue it. I muttered a few strong words, quickened my pace. The choice was clear enough. I could say nothing. When the waters cleared, the leaders of Milburn would laud their own wisdom, and I'd have no choice but to accept the chafe of their pride and the scorn they'd heap upon me. Or I could speak, and forsake the chance to take up the mantle left by my gran. 
I dug the end of my stave into the earthen road, making quick work of the miles now that I didn't have to fight the forest. Before I knew it, before I'd united the divided halves of my mind, I'd crossed into Milburn proper. Just my luck, Lord Ackerley stood at the boundary stones conversing with his scholar-guest about the wards. His gaze fell upon me. "'What are you about, young herd?' Through narrowed eyes, Lord Ackerley eyed my staff and the dagger at my side. No doubt he believed I'd engaged in a drunken brawl. My disreputable appearance would support his views. I stilled the reflexive reach of my fingers for the jewel and returned his scrutiny, taking in his finery and his ignorance alike. Was it worth the loss of understanding just to prove myself to him? A slow smile creased my face, tugging at the bruises there. I'm about finding my way, no more. See that you stay out of trouble. He flicked his fingers then, a clear dismissal. I straightened, held his eye a moment longer. Good day to you. I offered no bow, only strode off, leaving him and his esteemed guest to stare after me. Mayhap Lord Ackerley had been right, in a way. Blood did tell, but we could choose which portions of our heritage to embrace— and I'd follow the path of my gran, seeking knowledge even if it gained me no credit. Understanding offered its own reward. Why would I choose the approval of the top lofty in town above it? Besides, just because I couldn't give them an account of all I'd witnessed didn't mean I couldn't confide in one particular individual, if she wished to listen. Steps jaunty, I made for the mercantile and the one who waited there. I hope you enjoyed listening to Jewel of Blood by Sarah Chislon, narrated by Peter Franson of Christian Geek Central. If you want to read more by Sarah, she has a special 50% off coupon for Finding Fantasy Reads listeners to get a book bundle. Head to sarahchislon.com slash findingfantasyreads to check that out. You can also go there to snag your own copy of today's story, Jewel of Blood. I'll also have a direct link in the show notes for you. If you enjoyed listening to Pater narrate the story, you might also enjoy listening to his podcast, Christian Geek Central, where he discusses movies, video games, and all things enjoyed by self-proclaimed geeks from a Christian worldview. This month, we have a brand new giveaway sponsored by our October featured authors. It includes a bookmark and signed paperback copy of Whispers in the Waters by Sarah Chislon, among other great prizes. So if you want a chance to win, go to findingfantasyreads.com giveaway to enter. As always, I will have all those links in the show notes. Thank you all for listening and happy reading. Happy reading.